welcome to ESPN's The Far Post Podcast. We are on for the squad pod, the squad reaction pod, the 23 players who will be playing for Australia at the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. My tiny mind is blown. I'm so excited for these 23 players. I'm so excited to talk about these 23 players. So it's going to be a fun pod incoming. But before we dissect all of the ins and outs for this pod. We want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For the squad pod, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Angela Christian-Wilkes, Anna Harrington, and Sam Lewis. So, friendos, we have our 23. There is simply nowhere else to start with this 23 other than Kaya Simon in exclamation point because what? What ha- like so Sam Anna and I were in the press conference and we've all been given the media releases and we've looked we've been like uh quickly scanning the names and you see Kaya Simon confusion but also excitement so let's talk about Kaya what were your initial reactions to seeing Kaya Simons on the name Kaya Simon I was right again I was right again <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it wasn't actually my only reaction. It was like, it was like I thought they might do it, and I think I've said pretty consistently I never thought they put a line through her, but it was going to be like a ballsy call to actually go with her. So I think my approach when we were talking about it, even the morning of or the night before the squad announcement, was I won't be shocked if they name Kaya Simon, but it was never like full blown confidence that they'd name her. You just yeah, it, it, it was clearly the talking point um, because, yeah, she's – I mean, she's only eight months post-op. She's nine months post doing her actual ACL. She's um, – yeah, she, for all money, really looked done, to be honest. Like, not many players make it back at this point. We know the injury history she's had. She um, got left out by Ante Milicic at the 2019 World Cup because she didn't have enough of a lead-in, run-in, had all these setbacks. And this lead-in arguably is the worst because she's not played at all. Um, but yeah, she, she's made it and it was, yeah, pretty extraordinary, um, to see, I think it sort of shocked everyone, um, at least to some level, like, um, but I liked the way that Tony Gustafson sort of rationalized it because I think going into that, you go, geez, they could pick Kaya Simon, but I don't know if they should. Um, and then when they talked through the rationale, you go, okay, well, this is more understandable. It's, it's straight up. And I think what was quite um, interesting was Tony made a point uh, very early on when asking, uh, when I asked about this was um, we can replace players up until tw- that 24 hour window before the first game. So if she has a setback or doesn't look right, there's one thing you can replace her with another player. Um, the, the second thing was, was make it clear. She's not a starter. He'd have that conversation. And uh, Sam, I know you were on the table with Kaya when we were chatting to her. Um, and she said as well that that conversation's been had that she's being viewed as a game changer off the bench. And when you look at it that way, when it's like, for me, if you're looking at some of the names that missed out, you've got Emily Gilnick, uh, Larissa Crummer, you've got Chloe Legazzo, who I love as a player and was flat she missed out, but I think it, was hard, it would have been hard to justify taking her. You go, if it gets um, extra time or you need a sub to come on for 15 minutes or you need someone to take a penalty, God forbid. Um, Kai Simon is someone I'd be very comfortable turning to. and both Tony and Sam Kerr said this is a player that has scored big games 
sorry, big goals or set up big goals in the Olympics in previous World Cups. You need to look at 2015, obviously. She was so influential in Tokyo as well. Um, and if she's flying and training, then you go, you're picking your 23rd player. I think this would have been actually a Monty had they been able to do the 26 player squad. So I think they would have made this decision very comfortably. But when I looked at that squad and looked at the 23 as a whole and the depth that was there and the balance that was there, I think you've always got room for one hit and hope player. And like Kai Simon is a pretty good hit and hope to have. Yeah. I mean, Kai Simon's inclusion is sort of the, it's the, it's the only thing, right? Like everyone else in the squad, we kind of expected. We've seen them all to, to certain extents over the last six months in particular. There weren't really any shocks. I think maybe some people would have questioned Alana Kennedy perhaps because she hasn't been playing very much at all. And we spoke to her afterwards as well. And, and she was obviously really, um, emotional about the fact that she had been picked for the squad. She'd obviously come a long way in the last couple of weeks um, since they'd been in the pre-camp. But, you know, talking about the back-to-back injuries that she's had with Man City um, and how difficult it's been that her her body just seems to be failing her, um, that, that was, yeah, it's a pretty interesting insight into what she's had to go through. But, yeah, I think Kai Simon, like when I – when I when I assess all the players who were sort of on the edge, or the players who were in the conversation about who do you who takes that last spot, Kai Simon for me, even if she's not fully fit, even if she is just a fifteen minute bench player, she has enough experience and enough quality, and she has the mindset that you trust her when she gets on the field. You you trust her more, I think, than you trust any of the others who were in the mix. So I'm really stoked for her. She's obviously worked really really hard. Um, in the last eight months in order to get back to this level. Tony said that she's uh, she's training fully, she's playing fully. She played in a scrimmage earlier this week. Um, she's expected to be good for France as well, the France uh, send-off game next week too. So it's 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 great. And I think she, you know, she, she brings um, like something else as well. Like she has a spark to her in, in these major tournaments. She, she knows how to show up in them and... For a home World Cup, that is potentially going to be crucial. You know, like some of these games are won by a player who comes off the bench and does something special. So, yes, I'm I'm thrilled for her. Um, and I'm also thrilled that, you know, it's, it's one of the two Indigenous players that we've got as well. Mm-hmm. I would have been really gutted if she'd missed out on a home World Cup and, and everything that that means in terms of platforming First Nations communities in Australia um, because she's been so much more vocal about it in the last couple of years and, is so passionate about this particular topic. Um, and we actually had a bit of a, uh, an, an insight into um, the fact that the Matildas are potentially planning something in that space as well. So, yeah, so it's great. I think it's awesome. Um, in terms of all the other players as well, like there, there really aren't that many surprises. Um, I'm really stoked to see Courtney Nevin get the call up. I'm stoked to see Courtney Vine there, Alex Chidiak, a whole bunch of, of debutants, Claire Hunt as well. Like they're not surprises, but I'm still completely over them. Wheeler. And yeah, of course, I'm <laughs> building to that, Anna. Come on. Um, yes, because they they've all worked so hard, and a lot of them have come through very different doors uh, in order to get to this point. And and I think Courtney Vine was um, was the most adorable about it. You know, even when she was sitting there on the stage and she was asked the question, uh, like when 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 did you start to believe that you belonged here and she was like literally wasn't until tony told me that i was in the team that i believed it because she she suffers from such intense imposter syndrome so 
yeah, it was it was really nice. The whole media day was was really lovely, um, and getting getting to sit down with all the different players and and hear their stories and what they've been up to in the last six months and um, and how the news was broken to them as well, how they reacted, who they talked to first. Um, yeah, it was it was really great. So I'm 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 so confident actually going into this mm-hmm. World Cup now. I think this is one of the strongest and also the deepest squads that we've had in years with this generation of players. I would have to say in years like 2019 was the polar opposite I think of where we are now because in that tournament you had one injury to one player and then there was just a massive domino effect that affected so many other players in so many different ways whereas now that's not going to happen because we've got two players in every single position which is so nice to say it's like ASMR in language it's great (laughs) and Sam they're players that you actually believe can come on and do a job as well like 2019 You had Gemma Simon and Tegan Allen, um, who I remember, didn't play a minute. And you could tell, you, you got the vibe even their own teammates wouldn't necessarily have been confident playing alongside them. Whereas this one, so many of these players, as you say, have been exposed to football. I mean, if Courtney Nevin doesn't get much more brutal than that USA um, game with um, with Jess Nash. She's, and she got through the other side. She got through the other side. We've talked about Charlie Grant. Um, I, I think what I loved about this squad as well, Sam, so much of it, and I was talking about this with a few of the journos, including friend of the pod, um, Vince Rigari, pre-selection. Uh, I was like, honestly, if it ends up being, like, Kaya Sun was sort of the shock I could see, bar an injury, chaos. And you're like, but if it ends up otherwise being, like, a boring, quote, and, you know, for want of a better word, squad selection, because it's all expected, that's a good place to be in. It's good to have certainty. It's good to have reliability. It's it's good to not have to look at the squad and be like, oh, really? They, they, made, they made it? Um, <laughs> like... Like, you know, Kaya would, would have been a shock to plenty of people because of the injury situation. But you look at a lot of this squad and you look at, you know, you don't need to worry about who's playing before. You don't need to um, worry about a defensive cover. You, you feel confident and you feel like these players have proven themselves. And that, that's a credit to the, at times, sort of stuttering roller coaster that they've been on over the last two and a half years that they've come out the other side. Um, but, yeah, I I just love the idea with with to get back to Kai because I know Angela did want to touch on it like to uh, Sam Kerr I think described her as having that x factor can change a game and the thing I love about Kai Simon she's played so much football with the players who are going to be really key to this world cup tilt players like Sam Kerr Caitlin Ford um you know if Alana Kennedy plays it played a lot with her as well Katrina Gore like so many of these players have played together since they were like kids so it's it, they know how each other plays. You just think of that Olympic qualifiers goal where um, Kai Simon didn't blast away the shot and knew Emily Van Egmond would be there waiting for the ball. Like if these players know each other, there's that level of instinctiveness um, chemistry from what Sam Kerr was saying um, in that presser as well. Like it feels like she's not missed a beat in terms of that level of training as well. So yeah, we'll likely only see her as an impact sub, but pretty great impact sub to have all things considered I would have thought and it sounds like she's proved her worth in that um in that training camp because I know Sam when we were talking to her it sounded like she had to sort of wrestle with that idea that she was going up against training with players who've got some club form who've got some uh you know who are also trying to prove themselves like a Larissa Crummer is an easy example where I think a lot of us would take Kai Simon over Larissa Crummer but the latter has done probably everything in her power to try and make this squad right in terms of getting a club overseas playing you know, playing and playing and playing. So I imagine it would have been quite difficult to get through. But, um, yeah, it's it's exciting to see Akai Simon come out the other side and hopefully can really impact this um, 
this team. This has been such a hype up for something that's not that good for me. I was just going to ask Caro to um, manifest a million dollars for me because you've got you've got a really great run of form here. Um, and it can't hurt, right? What's the worst that could happen? I, I don't get a million dollars. I get part so of yeah, the million dollars. Really do I get a little cut? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or do I lose my powers if I, if I use it for personal gain? Anything <laughs> other than bragging rights and I lose... That's true. I have to manifest it for I, Marissa if I got a she's dollars, asking for I'd... nothing and then you can like take a little bit of it and then I feel like nobody's hurt anyone in the, in the um, mm. personal interest stakes. Or I put it in a trust fund for Vincho. Uh, <laughs> like there's ways we can get around this. <laughs> can you imagine trust fund baby Vincho? Trust Vincho is a, um, is a a puppy <laughs> for those who might not know. His current uh, thing is uh, picking up sticks while on his walks and carrying them and being told, no, you can't bring them into the car or into the house or anywhere that's not outside. So I don't know if he needs a trust fund. Like you can get free. <laughs> How many sticks could Vincho buy with a million dollars? Anyway, sorry, I have uh, tanked the the Kyle Simon discussion. Stuff. Garrett, I know you were you were yes. strong on this when we were talking about the preliminary squad. You weren't. I feel like off the top of my head, you weren't big on the idea of uh, of bringing her in off this um this lead in. So I'm curious as to what you think now and your thoughts on the squad as a whole. I- I like I definitely think it's been helpful to get the context around it because yeah, on paper it is as you've covered a bit of a surprise, um, you know, lack of club minutes and so on. Um, I, (laughs) so I was, uh, just going through my spreadsheet after the announcement and looking at the notes I made beforehand. What did I say? Okay. Um, and I wrote, I don't think she will make squad. And then the update is like update FFS. (laughs) So I'm so, so excited for her. (laughs) I think it's fantastic. I, really really love Kaya Simon when she's on form like and I she I don't think she's necessarily um a a patchy player or anything like that but she obviously just performs so well under pressure she's like kind of the opposite of a confidence player in a lot of ways it's like she really needs that high pressure environment to thrive in a lot of cases so I think you know taking her to a world cup just makes complete sense in that in that context and yeah stoked for her and yeah I'm not I'm not upset with the this her selection at all because of all the you know information we've been provided around it and yeah additionally that thing around the 24 hours before the first game they can make any changes there but as you guys have covered this is such a different context and even with the players in the wings who might be called up to kind of sub in if there are any touchwood god forbid any injuries in the lead up to the tournament they I feel confident in those players as well maybe they don't necessarily have um the same level of experience or backing but um because they've been around the squad and they've been getting time in camp and that kind of thing it just makes for a lot more comfort in that area and a lot less anxiety so yeah that's it's it's all good I have few notes on the squad apart from me looking at what I thought would happen and, and being, I, I was wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. Can I give a shout out to all the, actually all the players never involved in the Matildas. I don't know if they had to get the NDAs involved, but like they, these players said that they found out on Thursday night, the squad announcement wasn't till Monday. This didn't leak out from anywhere. 
And I think that's a really exciting sign of a united squad, including the players who missed out, who would have been, sorry, Mickey Mouse, fucking devastated. Like, this is heartbreaking. This is, you know, I don't need to overplay it. Like, I don't think I am overplaying it. Like, it's the home World Cup. It's the one that if you're a player like a Legazzo who's been working and working and working to try and get that last stitch, or, or a Kaya Simon who made it, or a Larissa Crummer who's made so many squads and, and missed out, like... Even if you're a, maybe a Jada Wyman who realistically had to have someone go down to be a chance of going, it, it would still hurt. Like, it's on home soil. This is the one everyone wants to be in. So I think it's a full credit to everyone involved with this squad that it didn't leak out anyway because there's a lot of journos with a lot of interest, a lot of speculation, um, and it wasn't leaking. And, you know, when you look at some of the leaks that have happened in other national teams, look at the, the WhatsApp thing we talked about with friend of the pod, Tom Hamilton, with, with England. Like, this stuff wasn't getting out. It was watertight and that's I, I reckon they deserve a, a lot of credit for that I, I think it shows sort of where they're at I also love just on a little note from the presses and um Sam I know you asked Sam Kerr about the art the um the armband situation I thought she answered it as, as well as she could I thought Sam Kerr was actually excellent in that press conference as well um I know that she is going to be so in demand um and having to do a whole lot of presses but I thought her maturity and the way she answered a few different questions like about um, how this team's going to handle the pressure, how she'll be isolated, how, you know, what this means. I I felt like, and you, you got that impression talking to a few of our teammates as well, the maturity of this squad is at another level, um, just in terms of, you know, taking it moment by moment, not putting too much pressure on themselves, trying to diffuse the, the situation. And, and it feels like there's a lot of trust in this squad. And maybe that's what it ties into as well when we talk about that not being a lot of surprises with, say 22 of these players is there's clearly a lot of faith and trust in each other to execute this system to perform um especially since caitlin ford's gone into that 10 9 half striker half attacking midfielder role it feels like there's a lot of comfort in the system there's a lot of comfort in the the players who can come in and there's a lot of faith in players who can come in and and do that game changer role and you know you look at how an alex chidiak i think has earned her spot in the squad and kaya actually said this to us as well right sam like she said, I would rather be a game changer and in the squad than pushing for a starting spot and not make it. And I think that's a mentality shift. Um, I know from talking to Chids um, pre-selection and like some other players as well have had to, and I think Emily Van Egmon falls into this basket as well, of having to maybe put your own personal ego or want to start aside to know what's best for the team and know where you can best impact this squad. And these players, and I imagine for a Claire Wheeler who, probably knows her best chance to come on will be to come on and kick people for 10 minutes, you know, at, at the end of a game, like to really shore up a game, to to run hard, to to close things out. Like they will all have their their roles and it feels like they're all embracing it. And I think that's what you want. Like, because, you know, World Cups go deep. Like you, you, if you want to get really far in it, you have to be able to bat really deep in your squad and you have to be able to call on your players. And as we alluded to, that wasn't the case in 2019. England aren't going to be able to do what they did in the Euros with have a consistent starting level because they're probably not going to have Millie Bright for the first game, right? or maybe they won't, or she's going to go in under an injury cloud. You've got to have that versatility. You've got to have those rotations. And when you look at this squad and when you look at the versatility of of players like like a Tamiki L, like a, an Ivy Lewick, who is, is quite a nice little touch that she's made that squad as well, you go, or Charlie Grant, Courtney Nevin, these players can all slot into roles where needed and you feel like there is that trust between each other to do it. And I think that's what makes me feel really comfortable with this squad is you look at it and you go, I wouldn't feel uncomfortable with any of these players. And that, that extends to the goalkeepers as well. 
Like Mackenzie Arnold's the number one, but you go, we know what Tegan Marker did at the Olympics. And oh no, if our third option is Lydia Williams, that's not exactly a terrible position to be in given her leadership and, and smarts and, you know, record over the years. So you feel comfortable. I think that's something that we've not really had the luxury of doing before. And you sense that between the players as well, they feel happier knowing a Claire Hunt's come in. They feel happier knowing that there's this um, extra bit of um, defensive solidity that there's these extra options in attack it it, it feels like a, a very united front not to borrow your your shtick harry but i do feel like this is a bit of an i was right moment from tony as well because you look at so 100%, many of players, you know what i mean because you, you look at so many of the players that he's chosen and the fact that we're sitting here and saying i feel really comfortable with all these players actually i would trust all of them to come on and do a job you know they all have their own little parts to play in this system blah 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 it, that's because over the, two, the past two and a half years, Tony Gustafson has thrown them into the deep end and forced them to swim. And they have, they've done that. And they, they, we, we saw against England in particular, which was a game that I think it was Caitlin Ford singled out as being sort of the, the proof that um, basically the, the project had worked because they went into that game with so many injuries to key players. And yet they managed to draw upon the depth that they had built over those years and were able to execute a game plan that worked and it, and they won the game. So yeah, like it's, it's, it's an absolute vindicate. Like I know the world cup hasn't happened yet. And if we get bubbled out in the group stage, then obviously it'll be a very different conversation, but like I, I, I've like, he's been vindicated, I think in, in just in the way that we feel about this team and the way that we're talking about this team, because there, there isn't, there isn't a weak player here. Whereas in 2019, as you mentioned, Harry, there were a couple of players where you were like, they're not going to see the grass. Like there's no way that they're going to be able to get onto the park because they're just, it's so obvious that there's such a drop between the players who are starting and, and those players who are backfilling the bench. Whereas here you could throw anybody on in any circumstance and you you have faith that they're going to be able to do it because we've seen them do it over the last couple of years, you know? Um, yeah, so it's, it's great. And speaking of goalkeepers, I am... So, so happy for Tegan Micah. I'm so happy that she has managed to overcome what was a pretty serious concussion that had kept her off the park for the better part of like the last six months, really. Um, that that was a really scary moment, I think. And and for something as serious as a, as a head injury, you know, it, it's got to make you wonder whether this is something you want to keep doing um, in terms of your long-term health. So the fact that she's been able to get through that and be you know play a couple of games um overseas and and be selected i think is is fantastic and i think another really important shout out that needs to happen which so many of the players that we spoke to mentioned is the 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 sports science and, and medical team at football australia because so many of these players have been carrying a number of injuries serious and not serious little niggles here or there chronic injuries head injuries and all of them piled on the praise for the staff at the Matildas, the, the the sports science and medicine team who have been constantly checking in with them, making sure that they're okay, giving them programs, uh, coordinating with their clubs, trying to get surgeries organised, getting rehab organised, all that stuff. Alana Kennedy in particular was um, incredibly uh, grateful to uh, the head physio at the Matildas who was talking to her every single day throughout her major shoulder injury that she took some time to get through and then uh, an injury to her calf, I think it was. Um, 
like it's it's it, it really needs to be acknowledged that like the reason that these players are here is because they've got a team of people behind the scenes who um aren't aren't talked about enough and they're not thanked enough and not many people know about them so yeah it's it's a it's a big deal um and it's a great squad and the fact that they're all now in um in a very controlled environment in terms of the pre-camp um they're able to have access to these resources every single day they're able to have all of these little niggles ironed out when they may not have had them done so uh back in their clubs um and they're all able to to really bed down now now that they've got certainty over who is actually going to be part of this thing they're able to to really knuckle down i think and focus on the details which is which is great i think this is the best possible preparation that they could have had and Sam, I, I like that. I know a few of them alluded to this that clearly Tony and his coaching staff were quite hands off, like let the medical staff do their yeah. jobs and didn't, you know, it wasn't constant. Where's Kyra? Where's Kyra? What's going on? What's going on? Uh, are you sure about that? Or can we have the black? Because you hear about it all the time. And I hear about it a lot in um, when I'm working in, in AFL, for example. It's an ongoing battle between um, SNC staff, whose job it is to get players out there and medical and staff and physios whose job it is to rehab injuries and prevent injuries right so it's a constant toing and froing and that can only get more complicated when you've got demanding coaches saying where's my player <laughs> like it's um and it feels like there's not been that and that's partly because <clears throat> there's been that backing of other players to come in right it's Claire Hunt coming in for Alana Kennedy it's Charlie Grant coming in so they didn't have to take risks on Steph Catley in friendlies or Ellie Carpenter in friendlies like and they built depth, but at the same time protected these players. And we we don't need to rehash over the, the the Spain tour that was, but like all these different factors are coming in. And I think um, Sam and Russell, the the overwhelming feeling for a lot of these players was there were quite a few players. And Tony even said it um, when he was talking about how difficult this squad selection was. Had the World Cup come a month earlier, he'd have been in some pretty dicey areas with injuries with some of these players. You know, Claire Polking Horn. Mary Fowler with that back, Alana Kennedy, obviously, Kaya Simon's not making it seven months out, right? Like a month on and they're in that good position. The overwhelming feeling from the players was it feels like, you know, touch wood, we've got through this stage where people have picked up the little niggles and they've, you know, had the little difficulties and now it's sort of got through that, got through the speed bumps. Um, and credit to some of these clubs as well for players like Tamiki Yelp and Alex Chidiak who released them to the pre-camp early. I know Chids was very nervous about, you know, not getting heaps of time at Louisville. So being able to get into the camp and really, you know, cement that spot was important. So I, th I think the management, you know, from clubs, national team, it, it's allowed these players to come in feeling good. Also, um, a big congrats to Claire Polkinghorn and Lydia Williams, five times World Cup appearance. So I don't think that's happened for any other Matildas or Socceroos in the past. So yeah, breaking new ground. to do so, yep breaking new ground and like just like top characters as well. Like you couldn't think of more deserving people. Their teammates talk about them glowingly. Every coach, these sorts of players we've ever had talk about them like that. And they're just, um, yeah, top people. So I think it's seven debutantes there as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. It's, um, yeah. You stole my shtick. How good is it to go in the World Cup and go into a World Cup and the vibes aren't rancid? <laughs> <laughs> sorry <clears throat> no I agree I absolutely love it um and yeah I was just going to mention those little history tidbits so Polks and Lydia Williams the affection with which Sam Kerr in particular spoke about Claire Polkinghorn it was just 
you felt it. And like I think we all feel it as fans of Polks, but when you hear it from like your literal national team captain, you're like, okay, we're all on board the Polky train, basically. Um as Harrow said, the seven debutants, so got Alex Chidiak, who missed out on 2019 and was absolutely crushed to kind of see her get that redemption arc. We love to see it. Kyra Cooney-Cross, who was a standby player for 2019 as well, now a bona fide World Cup squad member. Charlie Grant, Claire Hunt, Courtney Nevin, Courtney Vine, Claire Wheeler. Like, every single one of these players, the story is just unbelievably good. Um... And it extends to everyone, you know, like from Mary Fowler being the youngest member of the squad to Ivy Lewick being the oldest member of the squad. Ivy Lewick, no one is batting an eyelash anymore about Ivy Lewick's inclusion in this squad, which is wild when you remember that she was retired. We did the whole crying, sad emojis on Instagram posts, you know, like she was gone and now she's going to her second World Cup. It's insanity. And, um... You know, even getting to talk to, like, Tamika Yollop, and um, I'm sure we'll hear more and more about it with Katrina Gorey, like, getting to play this Home World Cup with their daughters in the stands, watching them at home, like... In camp. In camp. Like, <laughs> uh, we loved uh, Meeks basically saying that Harley thinks everyone's there for her, and Harley's really excited that everyone's so excited for her to be there. So that was very cute. Um but just, you know, like how massive this is going to be, not only for like the Yollop and the Gory family, but for the kids specifically and Meeks and Minnie. It's just there is not a bad story in this team in terms of the actual humans, but there's also not a bad player in terms of the football footballers. And it's really, really nice to be heading into that World Cup with that level of security and not like arrogance or over the top sort of cockiness but just like we have a team that can do things and I think they will like (laughs) there's no sort of um caveats to that so it's really really fun it's really really exciting are there any final thoughts on this squad as always yeah the clunt I'm just like (laughs) if we had gone to a year ago and being like, Claire Hunt is going to make the World Cup squad. I don't know how many people would have believed us. I don't think she would have believed us. Like, all I, times I, I was right so moment if someone said it. Like, I would like, have yeah. to give the crown up. Like, here you go. Yeah. I, yeah. And like a start, probably a starter. Like, insane. Five caps all this year. Incredible stuff. And I love that Courtney Vine has imposter syndrome because I never like thought that she wasn't going not, I don't not think in the anyone sense thought she wasn't going in recent except Courtney the only yeah the only person who yeah, didn't think that she like, was going was babe, herself what? it's very strange but what's going on yeah like so that's that tickles me like she's also a Delulu girl love that um <laughs> but yeah that's that's my final thoughts um can I give a quick shout out to the Matildas um media team um for the videos yes. they put together for the squad announcement like if you haven't watched it um, the one where they talk about where Melissa Barbieri is narrating it and it's like the 23 players and their journey makes you want to fucking run through walls. Like, it's so good. It's awesome. Um, particularly when you see, like, some of the other team ones, it's like, here is a slideshow. Um, <laughs> or just a graphic. Like, it, I thought it was... Oh, here is a picture of a man. <laughs> Spain. Anyway, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yep. Shout out to friend of the pod, Alex Ibiceta. Um, But, like... 
yeah, I just love these videos. I lo- also love the react. Just want to recommend people watch them. The the video of them reacting where Kaya Simon says, "I never wanted a free ticket. I wanted to defy the odds." Is awesome. Like her reaction to Tony and um, Claire Hunt just being like, "Thanks, Tony." <laughs> While everyone else is so emotional, it's also very funny. Um, she really is like Hulk two um, but yeah, I think I just want to recommend that people watch them. It, it's fantastic. You can see the the blood, sweat, and tears that has gone into that, and it gives you a really great insight. Um, and yeah, the hype video of the squad announcement is fucking awesome as well. So yeah, and yeah, I think everyone should look out for some really great stories across so many outlets because there was so much media there yesterday, um, and it, it's going to be fantastic. And yeah, it, it really just gets you pumped. Let's be honest. And it all happened in Melbourne. How good? Or oh, the outskirts of Melbourne, Fundura. But Melbourne. Sorry, I'm losing it at Fundora. It's true. It, yeah. <laughs> what a beautiful place. I, I love La Trobe University as a proud alumni. I love La Trobe University. Um, anywho, we're obviously really excited um, because there's plenty to be excited about. Um, and you should be excited because there are 17 days to go until we kick off July 20 at Stadium Australia against the Republic of Ireland. Obviously, we have the farewell game in Melbourne against France on July 14th. Um, Wait a minute. Is it 16 days? I can't count. It's really soon. It's less than three weeks, okay? But then we've got the farewell game July 14 at Marvel Stadium against France on Bastille's Day, which I stole from Friend of the Pond Pod, Ben Mackay. Um, we can't wait. This outro has been a disaster. I'm leaving. We can't wait to talk about more World Cup stuff. We're on ESPN.com.au and the other pod spots. We're at the Far Post Pod on social media. See you. <laughs>